0: Oh, yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with glass. Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half.
1: back to another episode of the second half and I am really excited to introduce our guest today. Uh, we have Phil Good Cuts, um, Phil Alapati, synonymous with South City, fellow barber, uh, brother of mine, uh, been admiring what he does from a distance as far as barbering but also the stuff he does outside of barbering. And uh, here with me today I have uh, Sandino across from me, Rye Boogie, what's up? and I am Harold, also known as the Demon Barber, Sweeney Todd, and this is the second half. Phil, welcome. What's
0: going on, y'all? Phil, what's up, man? Welcome, man. Welcome. Good
2: to Excited man. to be here, man. Yeah, great to have you. Bro, Excited to be feel here. Feel
3: good cuts, feel good eats, feel good if you nasty.
2: <laughs> oh, no. I don't know how I feel.
1: How do you feel about him saying that? How do you
2: feel about that segue? How do you feel about Harold's uh, nickname, actually? What is the Sweeney Todd? Demon Barber. Bro. Demon Barber Sweeney Todd? I think it's dope.
1: Yeah, I didn't give myself that. Ryan Boogie over here has been in charge of all the nicknames, and he threw that one out there. But I need a nickname. You're here, and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, um, once again, my name is Phil Alapati. I am of Samoan descent, uh, proud Frisco native, uh, proud father, proud husband, proud uh, grandfather, proud community member. Um, You know, just, I'm, I'm me. You know, I'm the same I'm a kid that grew up in Hunters Point, California, uh, a great area of San Francisco. Uh, Again, I'm just, you know, a proud father. You know what I mean? A father of six, two beautiful grandbabies, uh, granddaughters, um, a wife. You know, I'm a son. You know, I'm a proud son of uh, my my gorgeous parents. You know, I'm just a happy family member of the family I come from. How many... uh are you in your family
1: siblings? You have siblings? oh, I have
0: uh, a total of five of us. It's uh, three boys, two sisters. I'm the I'm the baby. You're so the baby. yeah, I get I get the advantages of being the no, youngest. Wait. Yeah, I didn't know you were the youngest, man. Yeah, I am the youngest, and I take full advantage of it too. <laughs>
1: Bro, you're
3: uh, you're the fittest grandfather I know, dude. Nah, whatever, man, it's, it's the clothes that's hiding it, whatever man. It's the clothes doing, that's hiding it. You could do a, a grandfather fitness uh, segment by yourself.
0: Sure, I'm ready for that, too.
1: <laughs> so, uh, both of us being in the barber industry, I want to know why you wanted to become a barber.
0: It's funny. I didn't even say barber, right? No. I, I didn't say that. Um, but... I didn't say it because I'm not proud to be a barber. I, I mean I love this industry. Anyone that knows me know that, you know, being a barber is something I'm very proud of. Um what made me want to become a barber, it's crazy. I didn't want to become a barber. I just I literally fell into it. Um shout out to my homie Jules. Uh at the time, uh we were all we we were both kind of in between careers, and in between jobs. You know, I was kinda doing things to just kind of make things Happened to make ends meet, but uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. Jules was telling me, "Hey, I'm finna go to barber college. Like, barber college? Why? You know, at the time, I didn't know really nothing about the culture of of barber shops because I my hair was long, just like a lot of other Southerners at that time. You know, your hair was long, you know, or even growing up. So um, that Jules kind of planting that seed of me. Going to barber college, and then my wife. At the time, again, I was kind of doing odd jobs. wasn't probably doing something I should have been doing to be making ends meet. But she kind of, um, she kind of laid it out like, "Hey, you know, I'm on this number, child, and what do you see yourself at in two years? What do you see yourself at in five years? You know." So, but at the time, I'm like, man, I got money. You know, not like you know, I wasn't balling, I wasn't mm. rich, but like we were doing okay. You know what I mean? Like bills being paid. We were eating. We had clothes on our back, you know. Uh, But I think I just had to kind of think deeper onto what the question really was, you know. Um, So went to Barber College, and I ended up loving it, you know what I mean? I went to Bayview Barber College. Shout out to, uh, you know, my other fellow, Bayview Barber College. Oh, yeah, man. The list goes on and on, and we got uh, uh, some real hitters out there. That's still in the, the barbering game, deep. Uh, but I did go to Bravey Barber College over there at Hunters Point um, on 3rd. Uh, when I went, again, I didn't know what to expect. No, none about cutting hair. Never even put clippers in my hand.
1: What were you doing before?
0: <laughs> um, I was doing odd jobs, but for the main, for the most part, I was working for a – y'all remember those Macy catalogs? Mm-hmm. You know, the furniture stuff. Yeah. and You know, uh, I was doing that as far as setting up sets. So I was working for a photo studio. For those people that took those pictures, that's what I was doing. I was setting up their stuff. Like, you know, if they needed certain things, I would bring it. Stuff like that. So You you would prop the pictures? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I got kind of like the style stuff from from cutting. You know, like as far as it being an art. Um, But at the time, I didn't know that it would probably help me in the long run. So, um, you know. Yeah, I was doing that, and it was it was actually a lucrative job to be honest. Like we was getting paid under the table. It was hella fun because me, my brothers, my cousins—it's about twelve of us that was working there. So, you know, I, I had the barbershop environment already and didn't even know. Mm-hmm. But the thing with that job, it wasn't it wasn't consistent. Mm-hmm. So I would probably work, you know, three months here, then be off for a month, then work two more months, you know, so on. But, um, yeah, that's what I was doing at the time.
3: What, but, you, what year was that where you're, when you were at Barber, Barber College? Uh, 2004. 2004. You established Feel Good Cuts what year? 2006. Bro, so that's, that's important to denote because to what you were saying earlier, barbering, like there's, there's a lot of people that are deep in a barbering game, mm-hmm. but you guys were in it, you were in it specifically before barbering became a brand. What's that like for you, that transition, seeing this, seeing your boy over here
0: create, like, these niche spots for themselves? I think it's amazing. Um, the times has definitely changed. Like, we can go on about this forever. But in short, from just 2004, it doesn't really seem that long to me, right? But it is kind of long, right? Um, to see the transition and, and to see where the barbing game has has went, and what has allowed a lot of us barbers to be, it's an amazing thing. Um, from 2004, a lot of it has has definitely changed. Because like in 2004, all we was really doing was fades, tapers. That was it. Mm-hmm. We was doing nothing but buzz cuts. But from where it, has, it, it, it transitioned into now, it's crazy. The sheer game that people, I mean, you know, people call it scissors, but we call it shears, right? The sheer game, like, you you definitely have to step that up. Like, now, especially during the social media world, mm-hmm. the availability of knowledge that is out there for barbers now, Even, I mean, of course, for us, too. Like, the old heads, they would say, like, in a barbering game, we had to catch up. In some sense, some some of them didn't. But me, personally, I had to catch up big time. And I still am. You know, the, the, the styles that are being created right now is so dope. Like, some of these cats that are just getting in the game now that are barber students or been cutting for a year, we're damn near like dinosaurs to them, for real, for real. Seriously, man. But, I mean, yeah, their skill set goes crazy. I mean, I think it's just like with hoops. I'm I'm looking at your words, Cap. It's just like with hoops, right? The game has evolved. Mm -hmm. The skill set that they have now is bananas. And I know we could talk about that forever, too, but I think... A lot, of, a lot of people haven't really accepted the change yet on what the barbering game has been. I mean, it's created, I mean, other than the art, like it's created legit careers. Like in 2004, we was not known as professionals. Hell no. Nah. They looked at barbers as, oh, that's just, just the cat that cut my hair. I'll pay him 10, 15 bucks. This is 2004, right? I'll pay him 10, 15 bucks on the higher end, $20 which was kind of a lot at the time, right? Fast forward to now, people are charging upwards of 50 to to $100. You know what I mean? So we're still trying to, I think a lot of barbers are still trying to, not really make sense, but help people understand why those prices are what it is now. You know what I mean? Or why the game has evolved, why things has changed, why we are looked at professionals now. You know what I mean? It's kind of good it's kind of a culture shock to people though, right? Big time. Because again, I mean, 2004 ain't that long ago. You know what I'm saying? So again, you were charging people 10 to 15 bucks on the higher end, $20. Now they come into a shop now and you know, for them, it's like, like you said, a culture shock. It's like, wait, what?
2: Well, it's funny. You mentioned uh, the barber college. My dad used to take me in the nineties. to the barber college down, down, uh, downtown Six, yeah, on Sixth Street, right yeah, there, right. That's an Antioch uh, yeah. So, and that was a six dollar cut, exactly, right? Uh, and so, yeah. Fast forward, like it is a brand, actually. Like people can build their own businesses, their own careers. Do, do you think about how like you've helped shaped that change, or, or maybe like what your legacy or your brand means to barbers? Um,
0: I would like to think that I have some kind of hand in it. You know what I mean? Um, I think just the longevity of it all, you know what I mean? I think people can kind of look at, okay, field cuts has kind of been a staple of the South San Francisco area, right? I've been there since 2006. Um, and I think I've, uh, we've been blessed enough to kind of last the times, you know what I mean? Because shortly after that's when we went through that, that crisis of people was losing jobs. And I think it was like in 2008, but I think just being like a part of that community for so long, the consistency, the longevity of it. So I think, you know, hopefully when they see feel good cuss, it's, it they they get that.
2: On on that, what have you done to like cultivate and maintain these lasting friendships, right? Like their relationships, by like, you know, yeah, relationship, but like mm-hmm. you know, what, 2006? so now we're looking at what, seventeen years? right? Like, I'm sure there's a bunch of folks who've been long-lasting friends and, you know.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the beautiful things about barbering, right? You know, you kind of, like a 2004 to, or 2000. I even have some cats that still been rocking with me since barber college, right? right. Which is amazing. Yeah, I think the way I've been able to kind of keep that going, it's just genuine relationships, you know what I mean? Like, you either rock with me or you don't, but I feel that I get a lot of people that do genuinely rock with me because I genuinely rock with them. You know what I mean? Or they just get who I am. I'm not sitting here trying to sell myself. There's no gimmicks. Yeah, none of that. I think I've outla- I think I try to outlast that. You know, the gimmick stuff and like, hey, come here because of this and that. I don't. I don't. I feel like I try my best not to sell myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you walk in the doors and it is what it is. I treat you like my family because that's how I look at my business. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's what brings the longevity. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I genuinely treat treat them like my family because essentially you're walking into my second home. Yeah. This is my home. Yeah. This 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 feel good cuts has done wonders for me. Like being a part of my community, being a part of my family, I don't have I don't have many entrepreneurs in my family. I can probably count on a couple fingers. Mm. So it's it's important to me to 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 stay the course, to be who I am. You know what I mean? And, and kind of show people just who I am through the relationships that I build. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like hearing you're you're
2: authentic, you're genuine, and you care about people. Bill's I mean, been, people respect that, right? Bill's
0: been one of the realest dudes.
1: That I, I've ever met. And he's been consistent throughout the years. Um, and like he said, he's not trying to sell anything. He, he's he's always been him. And like he said, you either fuck with him or you don't. And going into the shop, which I've never really hung out at. But from what I've seen on social media, what I know from the people that go there. That's a very unique vibe, and I think I've told you this before. Like, I just love how everybody works in there, the way you guys get along. Where does that come from for you to to bring that type of environment for your shop?
0: The neighborhood. I mean, for real, the neighborhood. I mean, as far as the community that I was raised in, the community that that holds my foundation, you know? Um, Growing up, Humble Beginnings. You know, as still humble now, um, just feeling like the sense of community, that we was a part of something. Whether it was just a few people that was in the neighborhood or even a greater community. But knowing how it felt to be a part of something that was genuine. You know what I mean? Like growing up in the neighborhood in West Point and in Lakeview, we rocked with each other tough. Mm -hmm. Because that's who we were. You know what I'm saying? Like the people that was around us was that was our people, whether it was black, whether it was Samoan, whether it was whatever it was, that was our people. And we rocked with each other tough. Yeah. So when they say take, you know, takes a village, that was our village there. And it felt like we had a sense of belonging there. You know what I mean? Like we, The good thing is a lot of us had the same stuff. Whether we had a lot or whether we had a little, it was what we had. You know what I'm saying? So I think the humble beginnings – and coming from the background that I come from, you know, being in the Samoan culture, we were always taught to be humble. You know what I mean? Be good people. You know what I'm saying? So I think that translated to, to who I am as a as a person and, of course, as a barber. Like, in my, in my shop, that's how it's ran. The people that know that's in the shop, they know off top, especially the barbers. There is no, like, I am who I am and I treat them just like my other family. You know what I mean? And I think... I want them to be who they are. You know what I'm saying? I want them to be individuals because that's why we became barbers. Mm-hmm. We don't want somebody to micromanage us. We don't want somebody that's, you know, I'm not knocking any other industry. I'm just saying this as barbers, this is what we want to create for ourselves. I want them to be able to come to the shop and be who they are.
2: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? I want them to say what they want to say, be the individual that they are, because it only makes our shop better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want the exact same person. I don't try to mold anybody to be who they're not. So I accept those people that are in the shop or who they are, and I think it it, it builds that kind of community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we literally, what you see on my social media page or on the other guy's social media page, which is crazy because the other ones that's in there, they don't even really do social media. But what you see on there is not staged. I say, hey, we need this for content. No, man, this is what you get. So you might come in on a Tuesday and this is the exact same conversation you get.
2: I'm curious, because you mentioned, I'm glad you brought this up, you kind of mentioned the Simone community, <clears throat> right? Um, how, how much of what's in your shop and the people you, you're with, and you mentioned family, like how much of that is just a testament, not only to like the family aspect of the Simone community, <clears throat> but then also your family specifically, right? Like, you know, like, what was that dynamic? You mentioned like having, you know, five siblings, I think. Like what, what was that dynamic that you are carrying into the shop?
0: yeah you know it's crazy i I know I'm gonna keep on beating this over the head as far as family goes, but that's genuinely who i am right and and my my siblings have definitely helped mold me into the person I am right so they were growing up was i mean it was we not just five kids right so I say I have five siblings, but we have ten you know essentially I have ten so um I'm the, like a year only like a year year and a half. So, so back, my parents were that back back yeah, they was pushing them out. Right you know, what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, back to back to back. So, you know, between me and my oldest sibling there's only like about I'll say six, maybe seven years tops. Wow. Um But I think, you know, growing up, again, definitely mow me for the person I am today. Um, but bringing that into the shop, again, I look at these guys literally as my brothers. You know, I think the unique thing about the shop is I've probably only had I mean, I could be wrong, but I probably only had, like, about six to seven other barbers in the span that we've been open since 2006, right?
2: the whole so, time.
0: Yeah, the whole yeah. time.
2: Interesting.
0: And I think the reason why is because of, you know, my upbringing and me bringing my family values into the shop is kind of showing the guys, like, look, this is the family, right? So a lot of them get comfortable in being there, you know what I mean? So they kind of kind of are established there, and they kind of just stay there you know, for whatever amount of time it is, and I accept it. You know, sometimes I think it's kind of, it's like a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because it's like, I want them to venture out. I want them to do what they want to do as a barber and, you know, kind of flourish and do other things. But at the same time, it's kind of cool because we have this vibe and we have this connection that we just keep rocking, you know? So I think, I think the shortest time anybody's ever been there was about, I'll say, three years. But then after that, the, the shortest time after that was probably like seven or eight, wow.
3: which that's, was. That's part of the reason, though, why I think the community naturally gravitates towards you. Because it is solid. It's a foundation. So when you, you have the same group of people, you were saying that earlier, H, about the culture there at, at Feel Good Cuts. People are going to go there because they know what to expect, right? It's almost like, remember that, uh, that sitcom Cheers?
0: Yeah, Nor- kept going back, right? everybody yeah. knows your name. Yeah, everybody knows your name. Yeah. Cheers. One of my favorite shows yeah. too. growing up. Yeah, I never looked at it like that.
3: But staying on the topic of uh, the Samoan culture, mm. that's deep, right? And people don't understand how uh, how family centric the Polynesian culture is. I'm gonna ask you this, though. What kind of pressure do you feel being a positive representative for the Samoan community?
0: Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, so, th- this one touched deep. Like, the whole Simon community thing touched deep because it is, I mean, I don't know, man. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but, like, I've never looked at it that way as far as, like, I, I feel the pressure to be a certain person or to-, to represent in a certain way. I think it was just instilled already, right? Like, yeah, I don't, maybe I do feel some type of pressure, you know? Uh, I I mean, yeah, I don't know, that's a crazy question. My bad, I'm kind of flustered because no one's ever asked me that. Because I think the reason why I'm getting flustered is because I never looked at myself that way. You know what I mean? So for you to ask me that, like hearing it out loud, I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't, I didn't even know I, I was that face for the Polynesian community. Um, But if I am, I hope that I'm, You know, I hope I'm making my my culture, my community, my people proud. Um, But I do try to do my best to to hold a certain standard. You know what I mean? Um, So I I guess there is some pressure, but I guess I never really felt it because I'm just going back to what we were talking about earlier. I'm just so busy that I don't even kind of take the time out to look like, hey, yo, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing?
3: I hope so. You said a word earlier, though, when you were saying in prior interviews, you just like to keep it organic. Yes. So that word I honed in on because that's what we try to do here. But hearing your answer to that question, I guess, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I guess it hasn't been a pressure to you because you're just authentic. So that's probably why people are just drawn to you. And you don't really trip off this, but that's how leaders are born. Leaders are just people that... Naturally, take a mantle and don't even think about
0: it. Wow. <laughs> I, don't I, mean, like, I don't know, man. But I mean, I hey, thank you for thing. that, though. Seriously.
1: Yeah, but that was the main reason why I was really excited to have you here just because of the way you move. You're very, very humble and you don't even realize what you do for other people because it just comes natural. It, it's like you said, it's organic for you. So it's. Man,
2: I, I, I don't even. Where did you draw that inspiration from? To just kind of keep plugging along and just like be there for people. Like, is that your mom? Is that your dad? Is oh yeah, community specifically.
0: Y'all gonna try to get me in tears, man. So yeah, I'm just kidding. My, um, yeah, well, my yeah, mom, yeah. right? My mom, my mom. I think uh, a lot of us, right? I mean, a lot of us. Even in Filipino culture, I see it big time, right? Um, I think a lot of us men are just mama boys. Period we I mean, we just born that way, right? And I own it. I wear it with you know, in the badge of honor for real for real. I mean, um, but you know, God rest my mother so, um, recipes to her. She's definitely been like that driving force, you know what I mean? Um, since I was younger. You know, of course when you're young you don't really think like, Oh, my mom's my inspiration. But as I gotten older, it was easy to say that, right? Like,
2: yeah, my mother for sure what did I mean, she, what did she do for you like or like what do you remember
0: um you know the 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 thing that i take from her is just a genuine love hmm. that loyalty that she's never made me feel judgmental i mean she's never i've never felt judged by her not one bit
2: hmm.
0: whether i was doing stupid stuff whether i was do, no matter what it was i've never felt judged by my mother and i think just the genuine love that she's given to me I think it's just a natural thing for me to, to try to to emulate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think um, feeling that sense of, like, just love from your, your mother, right? You kind of get in. You know it's genuine. You know it's like no matter what I do, my mother got me. Come on, man. Y'all going to mess me up. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know my I mean? mother got me, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No matter what. Whether I did wrong, right, ugly, no matter what. My mom had me. So I think it's only right that I try to do that to the best of my ability to everyone. You know what I mean? Because I think everyone that has come across my mom, she was always a mom to a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? So I know they got that genuine love from her. And, it, and you know, I, should, I hope not even hope. I know they did. You know what I mean? So definitely from my mom. And then, like, the work ethic comes from my dad, though. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I know a lot of people don't kind of shout out their dads, but I'm sure we're all dads too. So we kind of like to hear it sometimes. But my dad, yeah, for sure. It's crazy. My dad, he's a he's a cool cat, man. You know what I mean? My dad is like super Simon, super Fob. You know what I mean? He's English still broken to this day. He's been in America forever, right? But what he's instilled in me and inspire me was to have that work ethic like my dad used to go to which was like the Samoan Cheers the bar it wasn't Cheers of course it was called the clubhouse right over there and off of Bayshore but uh that was his hangout him and all his people all the you know the, the the those Samoans that came you know they that was their that was their hangout spot that was them so my dad used to you know he used to mingle and drink a little bit you know but The thing about my dad was I remember I used to – my mom used to pick me up after – or I used to go to bingo with my mom. At the time, they could leave us in the car, you know what I mean, from 6 to 10 (laughs) at night, and it was okay. CPS wasn't going to get involved, right? (laughs) So, yeah, so my mom used to take me to bingo with her, and we'd go pick up my dad at 10 o'clock. That was their routine, right, from the bar, Monday through Friday, damn near. And uh, I remember sometimes being in the bar and looking like my dad, like, damn, look at dude, he's just – Out here having a good time, sometimes drunk, sometimes not. But, like, clockwork, bro. Like, 4 o'clock in the morning, he was working for the shipyards in San Francisco. 4 o'clock in the morning, I remember him coming to our room, checking on us real quick, go to work. Like, clockwork. Never missed a day from what I remember as a kid. Never was late. My dad is punctual. Too bad I didn't get that part from him. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got that work ethic, the drive to be like, hey. No matter what you're doing at night, you know what I'm saying, whether you're having fun or whatever you're doing, make sure you get up, you know, and make sure, you know, you're working, providing for your family. So my mother, my father, and then, uh, of course, you know, my kids. Being a young father, you know, having my my eldest daughter at a young age right after high school, um, I was forced to be an adult. No one wants to be an adult. Even in our mid-40s, sometimes we don't want to be an adult, right? You know what I'm saying? But... It forced me to push me to like, hey, especially in the Samoan culture, we don't play. You are a father, you are gonna be a father. Mm. So yeah, my my kids f- for sure, and now my newer inspiration is is my grandbabies. So my, I mean, you know, I, these 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 uh, answers can be long-winded, but you know, yeah. I'll
1: add a little bit though, you know, being a grandfather, that's a that's a totally different lane. Oh, my before
3: goodness. before he goes into that, really quick for the people listening, because that was before recording, we called him out. He's the fittest grandfather I've ever seen. This dude doesn't even have a dad bod, so he's kind of violating. That's what I do under
0: underneath. I do, bro. I just don't take my shirt off. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, um, yeah, man. I, you know, when when I when my daughter, you know, was pregnant, everyone's kind of making those jokes like, "Yeah, you' about to be a grandfather. You only in your mid 40s And you know, oh man, what you gonna let her call you? You gonna let her call you grandpa? Yeah, you gonna call me whatever the hell you want to. You know what I'm saying? You call me. I like Papa though. Like Papa kind of sits well with me. I kind of, you know, yeah. yeah. It's like Papa, Papa, and I just, I just had her today, and uh, I call it Manai Mondays, right? Oh, Every oh, Monday, oh, two, and then my, uh, my oldest one's two, and then the other one is one and a half.
2: What are their names again? Manaya and yeah.
0: So it's Manaya and Summer.
2: Manaya and
0: Summer. Yeah, the other one is Summer, um, but man, uh, it's crazy. I don't even know how to explain it. People are like, oh, so people say it's like uh, almost like you love them different than your ki- or you love them more than your kids. I'm like, no, I don't think that's possible. To love them more than your kids, it's, it's just different. 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 You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's different. different. It's cool, too, because, you, you know, I can have her and I can have them and we play and, and then when it's time, hey, man, I done had enough. <laughs> Papa <laughs> Phil said, you got to go home. No, you you know? Got Yeah, exactly. You don't got the responsibility. <laughs> but, um, Papa just want to be filled now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fun, man. I don't even know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm new to it, but I'm just having a great time with it. You know, I think the most, the thing that I trip off the most is just thinking like, oh, yo, I created her mother or their mother. You know what I'm saying? Like I created that and she's created another person, right? It's like, yeah. I don't know, it's just kind of crazy to just think that. And then like you sit back and. I mean again it's just it just pride comes over you. Yeah. Like, yo, I got I
2: gotta have a granddaughter. Do you ever think do you ever think you have to step in and give any like any advice? Or are you just comfortable with like, you know what, I've done my part, I feel good, like you know, speaking yeah. of pride, right? Like, yeah, that's, a, that's a good question though. Like, how do you balance question. that, right? That's a like, great <laughs>
0: question. I, and, and um I've told myself I'm not gonna be the the overbearing grandfather hmm. because my parents wasn't overbearing to me. And I think it worked, right? I think, don't get me wrong, I, I do wish there were some times that I went to my parents more for advice, but I didn't, right? But, nah, I never want to be that overbearing grandparent. I want to pay my grandparent role. Allow my kids to make the mistakes. Allow them to do the things that they Let them parent themselves. Hmm. You know what I mean? I think, I'm hoping that the parenting that I gave them, the skills that I gave them, kind of, you know, make them... Good parents, you know what I'm saying especially better parents than I was because it's an evolving thing right like i've I done made hell of mistakes as a parent, and i'm hoping they learn from those mistakes to kind of do things differently or or even better but yeah now nah, i'm not that, i'm not that grandfather I, i'm kind of the grandfather that uh let them do their things and kind of almost to a fault let my my grandkids do their thing too that's
2: good
3: I think that's the best and probably the most significant difference. Being a parent to a grandparent is just being able to sit back and let life be, right? Because you're right. You're done. You know, now you can't clip your daughter's wings. you got to let her go through the trials and tribulations
0: of what parenting looks like. Absolutely. I think that was one of my biggest lessons as a parent, to allow my kids to be themselves. You know, because a lot of times we kind of get to that point where we might not think about, but we're almost controlling. But you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I kind of, I've kind of learned that lesson. I thank my kids for that. I literally tell them, "Thank you, thank you for teaching me that way." You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Kudos to, to hearing that. Actually, I got a 16 year old daughter, and sometimes the biggest struggle is learning when to let go, yeah, and let them be their own people. And that's that is something. To it's be, hard gra- to That carry. is something to be grateful to your kids for. Like, wow, you're teaching me something. You know, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, like, the way you parent, or I guess the way you are kind of speaks to your brand as a barber. What does your brand of barbering mean to you?
0: My barbering brand means to me is community, faith, family. Yeah, those. I think those three things. Like, those three things are... Definitely a staple of feel good cuts, and I think with those three things, we'll continue to, you know, kind of strive and continue to be there. I tell people all the time, I'm not going anywhere. I refuse to. I, I think th- I think we we work too hard for us
2: to kind of fall, you know. You had mentioned earlier on that note, you had mentioned uh, kind of surviving through the uh, the financial crisis, and then we had like a couple of years ago the pandemic too. So crazy, and you're not going anywhere, right? So like, what well, like what did you learn? going through the pandemic, you know. I learned
0: what really means something and what what matters the most. That's what I really learned. What really matters the most, which is my family, you know, my faith, and my career. Like, as far as, like, my my career goes, we could have easily been shut down. Right. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know what barbers are going through and not just the barbers, of course, everyone. But we're speaking more. So for my career and, and you know, the barbershop, um, it made me really know. right? Not that I didn't know already, but it kind of pushed me to be like, yo, look, this is what you want to do for life. This is the career choice that you chose for a reason. That wasn't going to push me out. Because I love it too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I literally love barbering that much. So I knew they wasn't going to push me out. Regardless of what it was, I was still going to be able to provide my services one way or the other.
2: How did you adjust, if at all?
0: Um, You know, it's crazy. I was off for like three months. I literally took three months off. So I think when I came back, I kind of just tapped back in. Like, as far as Justin, I don't really know if... There was real any real adjustments other than like the obvious things that we had to do as far as a barbershop to make things the way they were supposed to be and like as far as in code. Mm-hmm. But adjusting, I, I don't I don't know. I kinda just kept I just kinda picked up and did what I did. Right. I hit the guys, I hit I hit the my clients and stuff, extended family members, like, hey, yo, I'm back. And a dope thing it was like, hey, hey, we're, we're back too. You know what I mean? And I, and I'm so appreciative of our clients, right? Again, extended family members, you know what I'm saying? Because they made the transition what it was. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, there were still some people that didn't really come back. It took them a while to come back and understand why. I mean, I understand. But I mean, we were able to create the foundation that we, that, that we have at Feel Good Cuts. You know what I mean? And I think, uh, I mean, we're blessed to have those people that are there. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like even to this day, we're still kind of trying to get back to where we were, you know? But, I mean, it's been enough to where we're able to still provide.
3: You know, that's one of those things that are undervalued and people coming out of the pandemic, they don't really talk about the relationship between small businesses and the community because if you had folded let's just say you had folded <clears throat> the community would have felt that so to be able to come back know that you were supported by the community and know that that you know that uh, that relationship with your clients never failed and never trickled down that's an amazing story but really quick pivot here though because we can talk about the negatives of the pandemic Absolutely. one of the positives of the pandemic right out posse. Yeah <laughs> to Speak to us about How did that You know during the pandemic How did Oh shit let's just pick up our bicycles and go How'd that go How'd that start
0: So We used to ride bikes every once in a while right I mean I think it's just always been a thing For me at least to Like I just love riding bikes right It's like nostalgic you know You're little kids you just pick up a bike and you go uh... So it kind of came about Like hey we were just kind of Conversating about hey let's go on a bike ride that's literally how it started. And, then of course, Brandon, Brandon Muriel, shout out to him big time. Um, he's been a driving force in the business and in my life, one of my best friends. Um, he's like the business savvy guy. He's just like everything with him is business. So he's like, yo, after a couple of rides, he's like, hey, man, I think we should do something with this. Just start a group, a community-based group that anybody can join, that anybody can be a part of if you don't want to join it or not. Just do it, right? So the thing was, was I was still supporting family-owned business, right? The business, the uh, restaurants and stuff, the small mom and pops. That was still going on with me, right? I was like, oh, man, I like going to this spot. You know, hey, let's go to lunch or let's go wherever. So we kind of tied them both in, right? It was like, okay, this is a, this is something that the community needs as far as the support and the fitness aspect, right? To get out there and ride your bike, Then like us being San Francisco natives, what better way to see the city but then on your bike, right? Of course, other than walking, right? But you see, you you get to see the sides of the city that a lot of people have never seen, even natives, right? And then you go somewhere good to go eat. So it was like, this is a no-brainer.
3: Right. You know, for, you don't really recognize how monumental something like that is. You pay attention to it. Because, you know, when, when you guys were going through it, transitioning, I was, I was uh, paying attention to that social media post, and I was like, that shit is dope as fuck. But I got to thank you, first of all, when you guys put together that Fitzwater Memorial. Yeah. I got, bro, I was R. like, this R. shit Peter is
0: Fitz. big, man. Yeah, so R.I.P. Right. to Fitz, but that shit was big for real. We, we had no idea, right? I mean, Fitz, for those that don't know, I'm sure you could find out. I mean, the dude was, I mean, he's a Frisco native to the heart. I mean, he was engulfed in the streets and then, you know, and then some, right? Like, a lot of people knew who Fitz was. Whether he was from San Francisco or not. If he was just from the Bay Area, you heard about that cat, right? And he was a positive dude. And he used to ride his bike. His bike. I was yeah, yeah he was right? A bike. He was an yeah. avid rider. Um, but we kind of just thought that it was something that we can kind of honor, you know, another Frisco cat that was a legend in our eyes, right? That was an avid rider. And, you know, a lot of us got a lot of mutual friends. You know what I'm saying? San Francisco's a small... It's a small city right, and a lot of us know each other by somebody right if we don't know you directly and Fitz brought that together. we thought like hey man, this would be a dope way to honor him you know and I, and people kind of just took to it, we did it, we honored him, and we had a we had a lot of riders out there because there was a lot of people that already ride their bikes, you know as it was, but for, yeah for us to do that that was it, it was i mean thinking about it back on it now, like it was it was a successful ride. Well, I got, I got to give you props on how you did it because it was very
3: successful, but it was also really well organized. I mean, you had right. damn near thousands there. I mean, I saw people I hadn't seen since, like, kindergarten.
0: Yeah, a lot of us. It was a, it was literally a
2: reunion. It was a reunion, for sure. It was a
0: big reunion. Um, and, I mean, I mean, shout out to the other guys that's part of Ride Out Posse, you know, and then the other ones that were there to help us, his family and so on. Um it, it was just it was cool I think it went well because everyone respected who he was and what they were there for you know what I mean we didn't get no knuckleheads or we didn't get people to be like who are these cats and why are they you know it was it was all love because again we knew each other there and we knew what we were there for
2: um that yeah, was fun man you talk you talk about to like with with the Fitz memorial mm-hmm. but then also just like logistically generally when it comes to ride out posse like when you think about like uh, you know, transport us back when you were there and you were trying to plan, like, here's where we're gonna go. You know, here's the, um, you know, small businesses we're gonna go support. Mm-hmm. Um, like, logistically, like, how does that come about? Is it like someone rec- makes a recommendation and then you go with it? Is it a oh, brain trust? You know, like, are you guys get, gathering in the shop, right? Like, how did, so, where yeah, did the it's, ideas it's really, come
0: from? And then planning all of that, right? It's really through text, right? It was kind of crazy. So, we have a uh, WhatsApp group, right, for the Ride Out Posse members. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's kind of just one of those things Where somebody will kind of initiate the conversation Whether it's me or whether it's someone else Normally it's me because I'm kind of like the planner Of you know not just right out But just like kind of like even my family And friends Um, It's just one of those things like hey we need to do Something for Fitz okay Anyone have any ideas And then we kind of respect each other To the point where we trust each other You know what I mean like okay Hey let's just send this out We'll do something for fits, we'll put it on social media, you know, whatever we get, whoever we get, that's that's double rock with it. And then we got kind of a couple people that normally make routes. Right? Then it's like, okay, yo, Harold, he's normally our route maker, right? Hey Harold, you gotta you know, you got a route for us. And we're like, okay, well i you know, what might I suggest? Like make it the safest. Make it easy, make it flat. And San Francisco it's hard to do a, like yeah. a flat route, right? We'll make it anywhere from two miles there or a half, a mile and a half there and a mile and a half back, right? Because, like, some people might not ride that long, you know, or they might not want to or they might got an old bike, whatever the case may be. So then we'll kind of just go from there. You know, normally we have a couple people that normally makes the route. We just trust what they're going to do. Okay, Harold, you got the route. Cool. We're done now. Okay, this is the route. He'll, he'll let us know, and if we have any feedback, We'll just go from there super easy. I mean, again, you're dealing with, you know, mid-40s to early-50s. You know, so, you know, don't get me wrong. The text, mex get a little crazy. You might, you know, it, it get a little funny and stuff like that. But for this, we knew it was important, so we kind of stuck to the script. And it that's what all our rides are. That's kind of how it is. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we're going to ride in the city. We need 20 miles. Harold, you got it? Got it. I want to know how you guys
1: determine road bikes as opposed to mountain bikes. Because during the pandemic, we got into mountain biking, right? Mm-hmm. A, a We did a little road biking, right? But how did you guys decide on road biking versus mountain biking? Because I feel like being on the road, there's so many different factors. You have the cars, the concrete. You're not, you're not padded up <laughs> not like enough. you are when you're on the mountain. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys go – how did you guys decide road biking versus I don't mean, know, you wear a helmet.
2: I know. Oh, right. shit. <laughs> you wear a helmet. That's the, the other right. thing. You hey, hey, be bombing down yeah. these hills. Do Ooh. we have a safety disclaimer? On yeah, this, they
0: uh, definitely you need one. <laughs> so I'll give it. Hey, look, don't be like Phil, okay? Don't be like me. Um, wear your damn helmet.
2: Not that we all had helmets either. Yeah, but, but we, so – We can talk about you later. But, no, go back
0: to uh, – um, road bikes versus uh, mountain bikes or, or even hybrids. I rock a hybrid. I don't know. Honestly, even though we've been riding for long, I don't know a lot about bikes. I really don't. I just know a hybrid because that's what I rock. I mean, to me, hybrid is what I started off with um, as far as an adult. So that's just kind of what I rock with. I think it's durable. But as far as like road bikes and mountain bikes. um,
1: I mean, like the terrain. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Not the actual bike, but
0: just. Riding on the mountains or whatever. Oh, gotcha. Riding on dirt. Or as, so we as, as knew we were going to do city rides. You know, so we kind of to people, like, hey, get something that's, you know, that, that, that you can ride in the city. The potholes and things of that nature. Or really the hills. You know what I mean? Like, if you're on a mountain bike, you know, those tires are different. So it might not be that easy for you to get up certain hills that the other guys might have that have road bikes or hybrids or other, you know, other different bikes. Um. So it kind of just was like that. For the most part, people already kind of had bikes. um, But those that bought new bikes, they kind of geared it towards the city rides. Because that's really what Ride out posse was. It was to to ride through San Francisco streets, see all the different sites, you know what I mean, and kind of be tourists. That's really what it was. Mm -hmm. Like, bro, let's tour our city. Like, why do people want to come here? I know why. You know what I'm saying? I know I know what this city brings. I know how beautiful it is. But a lot of us as natives never went to a lot of these different places. Me, because I'm so proud to be from San Francisco and a lot of my kids grew up in Daly City, I wanted them to know why. This is why. Don't get me wrong. I can't really. I mean, the prices are ridiculous. But, okay, this is the reason why a lot of people come here. You see this, you see that. This is part of why. You're not going to get this in a lot of other places in the world, right? So it's like I wanted them to appreciate that. So me and my kids used to do, me and my kids and wife, we used to go venture out. We used to be tourists like once a month. Let's go once a month. I'm going to take you guys somewhere else. Take you to these little gems and jewels that a lot of average people don't know. But yeah, that's what, that's what Ride Out Posse was for real. See the city and see some sights. Go support some some business.
2: I
3: was going to say, it's a dope-ass city is what it is, right? And and to have a native go in there encourage people to support it just by seeing it, it's easy enough to do it. People just don't do it. mm -hmm. Um, But I did have a question. With all the positive things that Rideout Posse Posse did for, uh, for San Francisco, the Bay Area, those communities, can you think of just any backlash from the community?
0: Nope. Now, if we did get backlash, I don't know about it. Maybe we have i mean other than like the the Karens and the people that didn't like us riding through this san francisco st- <laughs> through the streets that like we were which honestly like sometimes we probably wasn't doing probably wasn't riding the way we should have right like we kind of bob and weave and do all this kind of crazy stuff um but now we didn't really get no backlash, man I think we were embraced to a certain degree. Um, especially by the small business. So what I used to do with the small businesses, I would kind of lead that, right? Like, okay, hey, we're going to go to Polk Street or whatever. Hey, I'll, I'll hit them up, either call them or I'll hit them on the social media. Like, hey, we got about 10 to 20 or so you 30. know in advance. Yeah. Okay. For the most part. Most of the times i like, I would pick someone. They would kind of, I would be the guy to pick somewhere to go to to support. At the time, in the beginning of the pandemic, we're going two, three times a week. So regardless of where we were, I would try to tap in with these businesses. Hey, yo, I'm going to come out there. Um, we got about 10 to 30 people. Would you be uh, able to accommodate us, right? Like, hey, we don't need anything for free. We're coming here to support your business. We'll be there around 6 p.m. or 10 a.m. or whatever. Just kind of give them a heads up because you know how that is. Sometimes you show up with 30 people and they can't do nothing for you. So we just try to get them a heads up, and everyone that I hit, was always positive about it. You know what I mean? They was accepting, like, oh, man, that's great. You know, thank you for whatever. We'll take care of you guys, right? And we got there, and it was super accommodating. You know, say it was 30 people with 30 bikes, right? Like, where the hell are you going to put your bikes? They always made it a point to make sure, okay, look, you can put your bike, you know, right here. You can see it or whatever it was. Um, they were very accepting. Um, as far as the backlash, I don't know if we got any. And if he did, I it was never told to me.
3: The Karens are going to
0: Karen. Oh, yeah. And that was nothing that bothered us. You know what I'm saying? It was nothing that bothered us to to, to prevent us from writing. We still, you know, we try to do it as safe as possible. Um, but at the same time, it was, it was just super fun.
2: I think one of the things that was most impressive to me was to see, like, when I was tapping in, and it was through my fiance a lot, she's like, you know what these guys are doing? I'm like, yeah. Like, she's like, you want to go? I'm like, we need to get out there. Um which you did for Fitz's thing. Um, mm-hmm. But just like, I really appreciate the way you promoted small businesses and maybe it's your background as kind of a small business owner yourself, or maybe it's, you know, you being part of a community that like knows to reach out to people to say, Hey, we're coming through. Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh it's thoughtful. Right. Um, and, We talked a little bit about backlash, which doesn't sound like there was much. How about like on the positive side? Was there any particular ride that is super memorable for you or and why?
0: So, of course, fits because of the meaning. Other than that, was our 100-mile ride in the city. We did a San Francisco 100-mile ride. And to us, it was like unheard of. I'm sure people do it all the time, right? I don't know. Whose idea was that? I think it was a collective thing. You know, we have some avid riders in there. Like, we got this cat, um, Jun, few SF. He, he's he been an avid rider. He rides like crazy. That dude, if you talk to him, he'll tell you he rode a million miles by now. But it was like a collective thing.
2: How long did that
0: take? Hella long. Yeah. Full day. It took, it looked, I, I I mean, I, I'm sure we can go back on our it may. I think it probably took us at least 10 to 12 hours. And the reason being other than anything, i mean being in san francisco we had we couldn't avoid all the
2: hills so so can you walk us through uh that day like yeah. like, like for folks listening like yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit about like where you also start like bit. yeah
3: so did we we carved out the night before
0: uh yes i did i did i mean i don't think it was because of the ride it's just cuz i like to eat <laughs> but I mean well like, yeah you gotta carb up like yeah I don't care I'm just gonna whatever this is probably what I ate anyway. We're
2: gonna get to eating very soon. Okay. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so um, um so I think we started we met at Lake Merced, the big parking lot. I think we met there around four thirty, I would say. Hmm. About four thirty in the morning. Um, you know, we, and then we probably took off about five, five fifteen, maybe five thirty.
1: How many?
0: I think it was about a good twenty of us yeah it was about twenty of us
2: all twenty finished
0: all twenty finished
2: this is before this is before sunup too, so right, oh yeah,
0: yeah, oh so it's so crazy, no sunrise sundown, yeah, so we literally it literally took us that long, yeah. maybe maybe more than twelve hours i don 't know the math right now, but it took us all day, so we get there early morning, we kind of mapped it out, kind of what where we wanted to go, shout out to Jerome and Archworth. they always make they normally make our um routes. So we kind of did like a perimeter of the city, which is the flattest we could possibly do, right? Because we're like, we ain't finna go up California and do all these crazy hills because not on 100, right? There's no
2: lumbar. And yeah, so no lumbar, lumbar and none of that, <laughs> right? So, yeah, we're taking a
0: flat like, We literally did the perimeter of the city. And then um, shout out to Jerome. Again, he was the reason why we took an extra three, four hours because the dude had a hell of flat tires. I think he had like three flat tires that day. Room, like, bro, too. what are you doing? Yeah, right, he might have, right? it. Yeah, have, have, like, right? a service
2: guy on the bike stopping off? I don't know, that's funny, though, because we
0: do, right? We have the bike mechanics, right? Yeah. Again, Jun is one of them, Coleman. Um, so we do have kind of like a lightweight bike mechanic. Uh, but, yeah, we just kind of went through the perimeter, went through the mission, and pretty much tapped in all the areas of San Francisco. But then it was funny because 50, we're like, ah, this is cool, bro. We got this. No problem. Oh, come that 55, 60, 70. We're like, bruh, let's get this shit over with. You're
2: counting, you're counting by fives. Yeah, I'm like, yo, come
0: on, man. The 50 was hella fun, right? We're all joking. We're laughing, making, you know, we talking shit to, to Jerome for having the flat tires. I think it was a couple of people that had flat tires, right? But it was like that last stretch of 20 miles was brutal because it started getting cold. It got, you know, nighttime is upon us now. Then I think the last 20 miles was in the avenues. So we're we're um, Highway 1, or we're Great Highway, my bad. Great Highway, right? And you know that stretch, bro. You ride with, you guys probably ride. So that Great Highway stretch is like what, like three to five miles or whatever it is, right? So we're going down a Great Highway, and then now we're like, bruh. We're at 85. <laughs> we're right here at Lake Merced. We cannot go to Lake Merced yet. We have to finish the 100. So we're like.
2: Oh, wait. So you hadn't planned. Oh, so so you're just figuring out how do we extend it by another exactly. 5, 10, 15 yes. miles. So like that last 20
0: was a stretch, bro. Because
3: <laughs> you fucked up right there, Great Highway. You guys would have ended
0: up at Geary, and you would have been exactly. in the Hills again. Then we would have went back into yeah. deep into the city. Like, bro, no, we got we to gotta stay here to Lake Merced. So we yeah. literally just kept doing laps <laughs> around that area, bro. We, we did Great Highway twice. We did that neighborhood like three, four times.
2: How many times did you do Golden Gate Park?
0: <laughs> we didn't. So that's where we probably kind of messed up. We should have did Golden Gate Park a couple times. Yeah. When we got to Great Highway, it was probably like at 80. So we needed 20 miles around the Great Highway. That shit was brutal, bro. I mean, but it was a it was a huge accomplishment, right? Yeah. And we all got there, and like some people's travel was like at 97, 96. A couple of people had to go around, like Merced. I think my yeah. travel was like yeah. that, yeah, like ninety-eight. I'm like, fuck that. I'm going over of Jin. Jin, what you got? One on one. That sounds good to me.
2: I was cool with that. Yeah,
0: nah, bro. I'm good with that. So yeah, that that was probably. That was probably the best ride we've had. That's,
2: that's I mean That's an accomplishment, man.
0: I just just think like cheer, you guys like, to the hundred the hundred miles. San Francisco right. hundred. For real, San Francisco hundred. So going back to the eating part, did you guys stop and pick out where you guys were gonna
1: eat or were you guys just no, bro? To stay on?
0: it was goo and go. For those that don't ride, I mean, you know the goo that you just needed a little bit a little bit and it'll keep you energized or whatever. I didn't do it though. So, bro, bro hey, that. the crazy thing, I didn't even say this. I think I went to sleep like at 2.33 o'clock. The next morning. Bro, I was off two hours, two, three hours of sleep. I think, I, think I went out. Before? The night before. Yeah, I think the night before, I think I went out and all. So, literally, bro, around the 80 mile mark, we was going around the sunset. I was literally falling asleep on my bike. For real.
3: With no helmet. With no helmet.
0: <laughs> for real I was literally I'm like damn bro I'm tripping I'm just glad That the radio Was still playing Bro I literally I'm not lying Bro I was literally Falling asleep And it was hella cold It's
2: a good thing It was a pandemic So there wasn't a lot of cars. Oh yeah now. yeah For sure <laughs> right.
0: Then we went to Joe's That was Big highway
2: Right.
0: It was shut down Yeah So again like We, we was cool As far as safety it was. It was all the way good There was no There was no issue that day Because it was earlier In the pandemic So people still wasn't out. So the streets were pretty much wide open. But, yeah, I just remember myself falling asleep thinking, oh, my goodness, bro, I'm not going to make it. Well, I knew I was going to make it, but I was like, I wasn't going to make it without getting into an accident. But, yeah, it was fun. Could
3: you do it again?
0: I definitely would. I would do it differently this time. Um, I think we would probably map it out more and then kind of get breaks in because we didn't stop off to eat. At least that I can remember, I don't know, maybe we did, I don't know, but I know we <laughs> didn't have a full on meal sit there and you they know enjoy when it
2: you were napping, yeah, for out. real, that's exactly what it is how How did you sleep that night the night after the ride you're done
0: yeah. dude, I don't how know you that? know what's crazy, bro, I don't know how I'm built this way, I still was up,
2: well, the adrenaline probably. yeah,
0: I mean, so right after we went to we went to Westlake Joe's or whatever it's called Joe's or Westlake, whatever shout out yeah. to them. Great food. If you ever, if you've never been there, right? Chicken parmesan. So yeah, exactly. We went there and we 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 chowed down, and it was cool. And I was kind of energized. I was kind. I wasn't ready to ride again, yeah. but I was ready to kind of just be up. Yeah. I don't know why. Sometimes that that's like a downfall. of mine is to sleep. I just be up. Um, I think that's where we transition. So
3: before we do, though, Phil, uh, obviously, honored to have you here, my brother. Uh, honored to just hear you talk about all the good things you're doing Feel Good Cuts, ROP, Feel Good Eats but before we cut off just any last words from you what, what do you want if, you, if this was like a, what is the lasting impression you want to leave on people right now wow
0: faith family community paying it forward I think that's huge Paying it forward, I mean, not to kind of, you know, again, long-winded answers, but paying it forward means the most to me. Like that literally is everything that I try to be. Um, because, you know, that that speaks volumes to me because it, it was instilled in me and my family as a young age, right? Not just being of Samoan culture, but being of my elders' teaching. Shout out to my uncle Allen that passed a while back too. He instilled that in us as kids and even as adults, paying it forward. Right, like if you could just pay it forward today, tomorrow, and forever, hopefully the world might be a little better. You know what I'm saying? You know, not to sound like I'm giving a miss fucking universe, you know, speech, but you know what I'm saying. It, it, hopefully, if everyone continues to pay it forward, it just does that much for everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah I mean I, I think that's That's it right there I don't know what else I could be Remembered for but if I am remembered I hope it's something To that degree you know what I mean Hey salute to that my brother
2: Hey for baby
3: Hey Phil Alapaji feel good cuts Feel good eats come check them out Keep it, keep it going South City uh, You know what to do H hey, you want to close that off
1: Thank you again Phil uh, it, it was an honor to have you here, and uh, it, this was this was just awesome for me. Selfishly, for me, I, I I'm speechless because I, I really wanted you to be here and uh, be here with the guys and j- just just speak because you are one of the most humble, genuine dudes that I've ever come across. So
0: thank you again. Thank you, man. Can I? I just got to say, shoot, thank you to y'all. Seriously. You know, when you hollered at me about coming on, I was like, it's it's a no-brainer. I ain't going to lie, I hate driving.
2: <laughs> I'm, glad,
0: I'm glad I got my wife to drive me. So shout out to her. But for real, for real, big up to y'all. Big respect, man. I think what y'all are doing is great. Thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. It's, it's definitely an honor of mine. Um, and like I was saying earlier, shoot, hopefully someone can get something out of this. But you know the bigger picture is. Thank you guys for doing what y'all are doing, and you know I'll continue to listen. And again, it's an honor of mine. Seriously, thank you for allowing me to share my story.
2: Oh yeah, it's. Yes,
0: from running all the courts, SF to the town dad bars, now we just running our mouths Barbershop talk, rocking the spot Got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot Lifelong bond has the convos flow Time just goes, constant growth Straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half